Live from Earth, it's Space Radio. This is Paul Sutter, and coming up, we're talking about NASA's InSight mission, and I am taking questions from a live event here at Endeavor Brewing Company, and of course, taking questions about all things in the universe. We record this show every week, usually at 4 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays, but today is a special day. So you can call 888-581-0708 to join the conversation. And in today's Blue Shift, I'll talk about more science questions. But first, the news. Hello, space fans. Welcome to Space Radio. I'm Paul Sutter, astrophysicist at Ohio State, chief scientist at COSI, and for the next half hour, your agent to the stars. Got an exciting show for you today on Space Radio where we talk about all things in the universe because that's what this show is about. This show lives on listener questions. We record usually every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern in Studio A of WCBE Radio Columbus. Today is very special. I am at a live WCBE event. At Endeavor Brewing Company, we are taking questions from the crowd to fuel this week's episode. Seriously, I only prep 10 minutes of show material tops, so let's get those questions rolling in. Before I start taking calls, though, and questions, I wanted to share some interesting bits of news recently. Has anyone paid attention to the news? Yes, I see at least one person nodding their head. Has anyone paid attention to NASA? NASA, no, shaking their head, no. Yes, Mars. We're back on Mars, people. We've sent a new lander. We have a new mission on Mars. It's called the InSight Lander. It launched in May. It's been traveling through interplanetary space for months, finally landed, successfully stuck the landing. Good job, NASA. And this is an amazing mission. So when they first, I have to be 100% honest. When InSight, this mission was first announced, I was like, oh, okay, another mission to Mars? Like, who cares? Can't we go to Venus? Can't we go to one of the moons of Jupiter already? Like, why Mars again? But here's the thing. After I read about it and actually paid attention to what was going on, I got super excited about it because NASA's InSight mission is going to look inside of Mars. So we've seen pictures of the surface of Mars. We have orbiters around Mars. We have little rovers and everything, but we haven't seen inside Mars. And the InSight mission is going to look inside Mars using two very specific instruments. One has a seismometer. A seismometer, it's going to look at Mars quakes. Mars is shaking and quaking and trembling just a little tiny bit. This mission carries a sensitive enough instrument that we'll be able to measure that. And second, it has a probe that's going to send down into the surface 15 feet below the ground. And that probe is a temperature probe. It's going to measure how quickly, how easily heat is able to escape from the surface. We have a seismometer and we have a thermometer on board the InSight mission because using how easily heat flows out of the planet and by studying the properties of the Mars quakes, 
we can get a picture of the interior. The exact same way, the exact same way we use seismometers here on Earth to probe the interior of the Earth, we can probe the interior of Mars. And why do we care about the interior of Mars? Because it's a time capsule. The Earth's interior has changed for billions of years. It's different now than it was before, but Mars is cooled off and solidified. It's a time capsule. It hasn't changed in billions of years. So if we can look inside of Mars, we can look into the early solar system. We can get clues to how Earth itself was formed by studying the inside of Mars. That is why we're so interested in it. That's why an insight was designed and launched. That will be its mission for the next couple years to give us a portrait into the very heart of the red planet. Now that's the latest and greatest when it comes to space. It's time to have a conversation. We've got a question right up here on the big stage in front of Endeavor Brewing Company live. Who are you? I'm Anna Oscard. Anna, how's it going? It's going well. You having fun tonight? I am. That's what I like to hear. So what are you curious about tonight? I heard that you can truly live faster than other people, but that you age faster then. Ooh, living faster, aging faster, what's, what's possible, what's allowed. You know, we don't fully understand aging, of course, but there is a little trick in physics that allows you to skip forward in time. There's a little trick, a little quirk buried in the mathematics of something we call special relativity. Special relativity is Einstein's theory. He developed it in 1905. And it's a, it's a fundamental theory about the relationship between space and time. And it turns out that space and time are not separate things. It's not like space is over here and time is over here. No, space and time are interwoven into a fabric. They form a four-dimensional thing called space-time. And we all move through space-time together, right? If you want to go somewhere, you have to move through space to get there. You have to get in your car and drive. You also have to move through time to get there. You have to wait until the future becomes the present to arrive at that moment. So you are constantly traveling through both space and time. And it turns out, of all things, the faster you move in space, the slower you move in time. The faster you move in space, the slower you move in time. If you speed up and go faster and faster and faster through space, you're slowing down your motion through time. This means that if we have a bunch of clocks here on Earth, and they're all ticking at the same rate, you know, one second is one second, we're familiar with the second. A second for you will not be the same as a second for me if you're traveling very, very fast. I will look at you. If I see you buzzing around the galaxy, buzzing around the universe, go ahead. And you may. And I may. I'll, I'll get out the telescope, we'll take a look. I see you going. From me, from my perspective, it will look like you're going in slow motion. You will appear frozen, almost frozen. And the faster you go in space, the slower and slower you appear. To you on the spaceship, nothing feels different. Nothing feels different. You'll look at your watch and say, no, a second is a second. What are you talking about? But me looking at you, you'll look slowed down. And then when you come back to Earth, say you're out traveling through space for an hour or a day or a couple years, 
depending on how fast you go, maybe a hundred years has passed on the earth. Maybe a thousand. Maybe a millennium has passed on the earth while you were cruising around for a few hours. This is a real thing. And this is one of the most surprising things to come out of special relativity is that measurements of distance and measurements of time are different across the universe. Different observers, different people will not agree on how big things are and how long events take. We will fundamentally disagree. This is relativity. These measurements are relative. They depend on how fast you're going as an observer. So what you can do if you want to skip into the future is just get in a rocket ship, go close to the speed of light, which is basically impossible, but hey, all right, it's just a, just a math game. And when you come back to the Earth, everyone you know and love will be dead and buried long ago. And I would come back the same? You would come back aged totally normally. So if you were gone a month, if, if according to the watch on your wrist, the calendar on your wall in your spaceship, you were gone a month, it would only be a month for you. You'd have only aged a month. But everyone else stuck on the Earth would have aged years, decades, centuries, millennia. This is relativity. And it's hard to think about. It's hard to conceptualize. It's hard to, to accept that time and space are not absolute throughout the universe, but that's the way it is. Paul, thank you so much. Thank you so much for that wonderful question. We do have to take a break here. We're live at the Endeavor Brewing Company taking live questions from all the fabulous people here. This is Space Radio. I'm Paul Sutter. And this show is brought to you by you. Go to patreon.com slash pmsutter to learn how you can support the show. And I'll see you after the break. My car, Dave, was in the shop over 40 times in eight months. Hi, I'm Paula Poundstone from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So one time, I slammed the door, and as I do so, the back of the front seat just fell off. I had never realized how important the back of the front seat is until the following day when I was driving up a hill and began to slide into the back seat. Turn your car into the programs you love. Find out more by clicking on the Support WCBE tab at wcbe.org. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Paul Sutter, and this is Space Radio. We have another question right here, live, at Endeavor Brewing Company, where we are taking questions from the crowd. You can always join our weekly conversation by calling 888-581-0708 or by following the live streams on YouTube and Twitch. Go to spaceradioshow.com for the links. But it's time for that question. How's it going, dude? Uh, it's going okay. How are you? I am never better. Who are you? What's your name? Uh, what, my what? name is Ben. Ben? Yeah. Ben, I'm so glad you came up here. What are you curious about tonight? I heard that astronomers discovered a goblin at the edge of the solar system. Have you heard about this? A goblin at yes. the edge of the solar system. I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about, so let's talk about it a little bit more. It, is it, was it an asteroid? It's a TNO. Ah, a TNO, one of our favorite acronyms, a trans-Neptunian object. Trans-Neptunian objects are objects that orbit further than the planet Neptune, so they're the, the outermost edges of our solar system. And apparently it's a goblin? Yeah, it was discovered on Halloween, I think, and that's why they named it Oh, that. there it is, there it is. So... We discover new objects all the time, especially these distant objects. They're very hard to see, very hard to detect. Uh, 
And what I'm guessing, I, I don't, I, I vaguely remember this news story popping up around Halloween. It was a new object discovered on Halloween, probably had some lighter patches and some darker patches that made it vaguely look like a scary face. And so they maybe went with Goblin as a name. Yeah, I think they said it had the longest aphelion of any uh, TNO discovered so far. Ooh, do you remember the number? I'm uh, 2300 AU. 2300 AU. So for those listeners who don't know what an AU is, AU stands for astronomical unit. It's a measure of distance. It's the distance between the Earth and the Sun, about 93 million miles. But we get really, really tired of saying millions and billions or trillions. That gets exhausting. So instead, we switch to for solar system distances, AU, or astronomical units. So Mars is about 2 AU from the sun. Jupiter is about 5 AU from the sun. In this object, the Goblin trans-Neptunian object, the farthest away it gets from the sun is 2,300 times further away than the Earth. That is absolutely fantastic. So we caught it. We caught it when it was pretty close to the sun. That's right. Right, right, because when it's at 2,300, it's too small, it's too far away, we can't see it. That is so cool. Do you remember how big it is? Uh, 300 kilometers. 300 diameter. kilometers. That's a pretty good-sized object. Mm -hmm. A lot of those trans-Neptunian objects, a lot of those Kuiper Belt objects, they're going to be small. They're going to be more like asteroids or comets. But 300, yeah, that's a nice-sized object. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for oh, sharing you're welcome. that. You're welcome. Thanks again, Ben. All right, and it is my lucky day because we have Dan, the man, Michalko, here to ask a question. What's your question, Dan? My question is Osiris Rex, mm -hmm. the probe that NASA sent out to the asteroid belt. Yeah. Why bother? What's out? What's in the asteroid belt that Why they want to bother? find out? Why bother with any of this science stuff? But this, no, it's yes. a good question. Why are we sending a mission to an asteroid? Yeah. This OSIRIS-REx mission is super cool. It's uh, very close to the, its asteroid target, asteroid Bennu. In fact, it may have already arrived. And it's going to send a probe... A little, it has a little uh, canister on a stick, on like a little plunger, mm -hmm. a mechanical proboscis, if you will, and it's going to stick it into the asteroid, go and take a little sample, and the sample is going to return to Earth. And in a couple years, it will hopefully land on Earth intact, and we'll have a chunk of asteroid. We'll have a chunk of asteroid in our hot little hands that we get to, to poke and prod and measure and maybe even taste. Super exciting, I know. And the reason we're going after asteroids is there is a long-standing puzzle. How did the solar system form? Seriously, like, yeah. how did it form? We have models. We have ideas. We have theories. We don't have a lot of data. We don't have a lot of observations. So that's why we're doing insight in Mars, because we're trying to understand the formation of Mars yeah. and the big rocky planets. The asteroids themselves are time capsules too. They are ways of probing the very early solar system and giving us that precious yeah. data. What was our solar system like in a pristine condition, in a pristine laboratory, in a pristine environment? Yeah. That is why we're targeting asteroids like Bennu. Well, I've got a follow-up question then, based yeah. on what you said, that they're going to send that sample back? It is a sample return mission. How, how are they going to do that? 
a little tiny container mm-hmm. that gets just ejected at just the right time, just the right direction, so that'll intersect the Earth. And it won't burn up in our atmosphere, and it will land in a desert somewhere. So it's not going to be in like in a mini Estes model rocket. No, it's no, it's gonna it's, 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 it's going to. It'll have parachutes. It has parachutes attached, so it can drag, hit the surface, and then we walk over and pick it up. Just that easy. Wow. Just that easy. Great question, Dan. We've got someone right behind you. Come on up, sir, to the big microphone. Who are you, and what's your question today? Jordan Chase and um, Cody Anderson. It's a twofer. It's a twofer. Yeah. You're, a twofer. A, you're asking the same question. Yes. So, okay. Buddy so system. I like we, it. We already know, obviously, the earth is flat, right? So we're not going to ask that question. <laughs> yeah. We Old already news. know that, Old right? <laughs> we know that. So global warming. Global warming. Right. Like, we know the president doesn't see global warming as a thing, but we know the earth is constricting so global warming what's what's your thoughts on that Real just in general with, with his in recent general. comments obviously um opposing kind of what most scientists and normal humans are agreeing with that it's a thing you you, know, I, not to you know, right you know. right so i'm not going to yeah, comment yes. on other no, people's not political comments. not political. right but i will talk about global warming itself so there's an overwhelming amount of evidence that our earth is getting warmer and it's not just getting warmer because the earth has gotten colder and warmer in the past. That's not such a big deal. What's a little bit worrying is how quickly it's getting warmer. It, it appears unprecedented, unprecedented how quickly the earth has gotten warmer over the past one, 200 years. That is startling. That doesn't seem like anything that's happened in the earth. Plus, in the earth's history, plus we have overwhelming evidence that we're doing it. That increased carbon emission ejected into the atmosphere is adding a thick, warming thermal blanket to the Earth, trapping heat. Now, those are just the observational reality. That's what we have to face. The Earth is getting warmer, and it appears to be our fault. How bad is it going to get? What do we need to do? do? What can we do about it? How bad is it going to get is actually a very tricky problem. Because the Earth is a very complicated system. It's very difficult to make robust, reliable predictions, but there are lots of scientists are working on it day after day, including at Ohio State, the Bird Polar and Climate Research Center, fantastic scientists working on it. It's a tough problem to predict exactly what's going to go on. What do we do about it? That's a policy question. That's a discussion amongst people of, okay, the Earth is getting warmer. It's our fault. It's probably going to get worse. What do we do to solve it, to mitigate it, to work around it? This is something that we, as a nation, as a country, like how much money are we going to spend on it? Where are the priority areas? What do we do about it? That's a discussion we all need to have based on the ground facts, the observational reality that we must confront that the Earth is getting warmer. Yeah. I'd love to keep talking, but unfortunately, we're almost out of time. We are going to have time for one more question. Thank you so much for that wonderful question about our little planet Earth. I'm Paul Sutter, and instead of the blue shift today here on Space Radio, we've just had so many fun questions. I can't help but take another. Who are you? You're at the microphone, so I assume you have a question. Yes, absolutely. I'm uh, Abdel Fadawi, and I have a question. We all know that there is like a lot of theories. We have like relativity. We have like Newtonian, like Newtonian, like uh, theory. We have like uh, 
the black matter. Uh, mm -hmm. What is your thought like about all these theories? Like, is oh, is yeah. there something in the center like of all these theories, or they just like something that just like you think that can apl be applied like on a particular like environment? That is a wonderful, wonderful question because there's so many mysteries out there in the universe, and we have so many theories and ideas and concepts and structures. What a wonderful way for me to plug my book, Your Place in the Universe, Understanding Our Big Messy Existence. I talk about things like dark matter. I talk about things like gravity, but I do want to answer your question. There are some ideas, some theories, that are fit into a, a grand unified whole, like our understanding of quantum mechanics is used to describe everything from electricity and magnetism to how atoms bind themselves together and how chemistry works. That's all part of one big structure, one unified idea. But there are other theories, other ideas that don't fit in that picture. We don't understand what dark matter is. We don't understand what dark energy is. We don't understand the earliest moments of our universe. And it's in those, the edges, the very edges of our knowledge where we just have patchworks, we just have vague ideas, we have untested hypotheses that we are, one, trying to solve, come up with coherent solutions to particular problems, and we're trying to fold them back into a consistent picture of the universe that all hangs together. So it's, it's a little bit of both, where we do have unified ideas, and we do have fragmented, scattered ideas that we're trying to bring back, like, like sheep in a flock. Some of the sheep are, are tightly bound together in the flock, and they all work together. Well, some are strays out there in the hills and the mountains, and we're trying to bring them back. And it's a wonderful game that we try to play in physics. It's a game we've been trying to play for 400 years. It's probably a game we'll continue to play for another 400 years. So you think that this is like, so there is a bigger picture than that? There is always... That is a always, always a bigger picture. There's always something more fundamental going on. Excellent question. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, we're out of time tonight. And unfortunately, this live broadcast from Endeavor Brewing Company is almost done. I'll be hanging out, talking to people, selling books, doing raffles. We've got telescopes. We have foosball tables, which I have my eye on. You know it. You know it. But we will be back next week. Thank you for joining me on this voyage of space radio. Once again, I'm Paul Sutter, and this show is brought to you by the Ohio State University Department of Astronomy. Learn more at astronomy.osu.edu. This show is also brought to you by, well, you. Visit patreon.com slash pmsutter to learn how you can contribute. Thanks to Greg Mobius for producing, Dan Mashalka for being awesome, Nancy Graziano for wrangling the Space Cadets online, and all the fine crew at WCBU Radio for making this show possible. We record every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern. You can call 888-581-0708 to join me on the air. You can also go to spaceradioshow.com for all the live stream links and follow me on social media. And, of course, thanks again, Earthlings, for listening. See you next week. And remember, science is for sharing. End of transmission.